You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 121. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we kick off with a brief discussion of SPACs with everyone from head fund manager Bill Ackman and Oakland Athletics general manager Billy Bean to former Trump advisor Gary Cohen and former U.S. House Speaker Paul Ryan, as well as LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman backing SPACs and Virgin Galactic, DraftKings, and Nikola Motor Co. all going public through a SPAC, the SPAC has come mainstream. We let you know what the heck they are and if they are a unique opportunity for your portfolio. Our first Your Stock Our Take is on Netflix, symbol NFLX on the NASDAQ, the largest video streaming company in the world. A listener asks us how the shutdown uh, with more people staying at home and watching video has impacted Netflix and whether or not we would buy the company at the current price. Our second Your Stock Our Take was sent in from a listener on Parkland Corp, symbol PLC on the TSX, one of the largest providers of death care products and services in North America with operations in five Canadian provinces and 15 U.S. states. The listener notes Parkland has continued to make acquisitions even during the pandemic and whether or not it offers a long-term growth opportunity. So let's get into the show. I'm going to welcome my co-hosts, Brennan and Aaron. How are you guys doing? How was your Thanksgiving? Good. Yeah, good morning. It was it was nice to see uh, family. Made the venture back to Prince Albert, uh, where I'm from. Uh, what about you guys? A little smaller this year, probably the same with you, Aaron. A little smaller, yeah. 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 A lot smaller. Yeah, a little on smaller this, end. this year. Kept it uh, kept it pretty tight. Um, just the immediate family here, but you know, all went well. Yeah, we split our Thanksgivings. Went to my parents for one, and had uh, uh, my wife's parents over for a another, and you know, just really small because I have a large family, four sisters, so you end up having you know, at Christmas last year we had thirty five people. Uh, this to have five or six it's a different thanksgiving but it was nice just to have the close family there and uh you know stuff up on turpy two thanksgivings though you're you're quite the social you know me and uh and then we fall asleep at nine o'clock if well you know because of the tryptophan (laughs) in the turkey right very much socialites for sure uh but let's get into the show. We got a busy one this week. Uh, we got a unique topic. Uh, a listener sent in a question on ask for our Ask Us Anything segment. Carl sent in a question. He said, can you explain to me what SPACs are? I've been hearing the term thrown around in U.S. markets a lot lately. What are they and are they an opportunity? Well, I would say, Carl, you are on point today. Uh, aside from the global pandemic shutdown, and racial unrest worldwide, 2020 would have been known as the year of the SPAC. 
in financial markets at least. Now, in recent months, everyone from hedge fund manager Bill Ackman, Oakland Athletics GM Billy Bean, former Trump economic advisor Gary Cohen, former U.S. House Speaker Paul Ryan, and LinkedIn co-chairman Reid Hoffman have all backed SPACs. Virgin Galactic, DraftKings, and Nikola Motor Company, a company that we've talked about at least twice on our Your Stock, Our Take segment, all went public through a SPAC. The SPAC has come mainstream, but what is a SPAC? And can I say the word SPAC more in a sentence? I don't think so. <laughs> now, SPAC is an, an, as an acronym for Special Purpose Acquisition Company. Also known as blank chap companies, SPACs are set up with no commercial operations and strictly to raise capital through an IPO or initial public offering for the purpose of acquiring an existing company. SPACs have been around since the 1980s, so they're not a new or invention. In recent years, they have gone mainstream, attracting big-name underwriters and investors and raised record amount of IPO money in 2019. That 2019 record will be eclipsed in 2020 as 82 SPACs uh, have gone public by mid-September of this year, raising a record $31 billion, with more on the way. While in the past they could have been classified strictly as buyer beware, the reputation of SPACs has improved over the past decade as governance practices have improved and they've made them more shareholder friendly. For example, shareholders are now able to either vote in favor or against a deal or acquisition proposed by the SPAC and still ask for their cash back. So that's a nice little bonus and a nice little change that's happened in the procedure of SPACs. So in the end, though, for us, it all comes down to performance. As of mid-September 2020, of the 223 SPAC IPOs conducted from the start of 2015, so over the last five years, uh, through July of this year, 89 have completed mergers and taken a uh, company public, offering the chance to examine the performance of these 89 companies. According to a report from Renaissance Capital, a provider of IPO ETFs and institutional research, uh, of those 89 companies, the common shares have delivered an average loss of 18.8% and a medium return of minus 36.1%. That compares with an average aftermarket return from traditional IPOs of 37.2% since 2015. As of July 4th, 2020, uh, according to the study, only 26 of the SPACs in that group had positive returns. The recent crop of SPAC mergers have performed better than the, the broader group, the report did find. The common shares of the 21 SPAC mergers completed in the period of, uh, this year from January 1st to July are averaging a return of 13.1% from their offer price. However, the study found that that is mostly due to two high performers, that being DraftKings and Nikola. Without these two, SPACs produced better returns than the period going back to 2015 that we originally referenced, but are still negative 10.5%. That compares with 2020 IPO markets with an average aftermarket positive return of 6.5%. We would say each deal should be looked at in its own merits, but on average, the performance has not been strong for SPACs over the past five years in a good market. 
and the better performance year to date appears to be driven by a few very high profile names, which we would argue are trading at astronomically inflated numbers based on their current cash flow. So why SPACs? Why have they become more popular? Well, within the venture capital community, there has been general dissatisfaction with the traditional IPO process. Essentially, founders believe they are not getting control of the pricing process during these IPOs, likely just thought they weren't getting enough money. Now, that led to conversations about going either a direct listing route and now to the SPAC route. But from an investor perspective, and that's how we look at it, uh, a SPAC uh, waiting to make an acquisition is essentially a shell with no business. Therefore, there's no revenue, no cash flow to analyze, and no way to put a valuation on the stock. Essentially, it is a bet on the management's ability to deploy that capital accretively and grow shareholder value over the long term. You're making a very speculative bet. There's no guarantee the capital will ever be deployed at all or deployed to create value. Value Again, each SPAC and potential subsequent acquisitions should be analyzed and valued on its own merits, but the historical track record and lack of tangible cash flow to analyze makes SPACs very speculative uh, investments, generally speaking. Great for the founder growing public while they are hot, not as great historically for investors. So that's my 101 on SPACs and my two two cents on uh, whether or not they offer good value right now. Well, I mean, I think that the numbers that you provided really tell the story. I mean, I, I you know, taking a look at the two companies that you um, the highlighted as being the the big performers um, from the the SPAC market, being DraftKings and Nikola. I mean, they may have performed well in the market, um, but if you look at those companies financially, there's not really a lot going on. I mean, Nikola, for example, this is the company with a multi-billion-dollar valuation that had no revenue, has no revenue. Um, very speculative by our by our measures. And then DraftKings, well, they have revenue. They did about seventy-one million in revenue in their last quarter, but on that they lost one hundred and sixty million um, in operating income. So burning through a lot of cash, right? So when you look at these types of entities like SPACs um, or, or capital pools on the uh, TSX Venture Exchange, this is really at the 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 most speculative end of the market, and that's not what we think retail investors need to be investing their money. Um, It's more akin to gambling and you can make money here and there, but um, as any, as any, you know, gambler knows the, the longer you gamble, the, the more likely it is you're going to lose. Yeah. And I noted there that uh, over that period between uh, 2015 to 2020, there was 233 SPAC IPOs, essentially SPACs that went uh, public looking for acquisitions. Only 89 of those have completed mergers. So that's, you know, 39, 40% in that range. So there's a, you know, a, a big portion of those that are still sitting there with your capital uh, trying to find an acquisition. So, I mean, those spending money as well. Spending yeah, of course. You don't just, well. you know, a public company, you don't just salaries, sit there and spend no money. There's salaries for to management. Work for the acquisition. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't guarantee just because you invest in a SPAC that it's going to find uh, an appropriate investment target. And then when we, they find that appropriate investment target or they, what they believe is an appropriate investment target, again, that doesn't mean that that company is going to make the cash flow necessary to drive the share price going forward. And you look at the historical returns of those SPACs, 
uh, cash flow is king over the long term. And clearly those businesses have not generated the cash flow to produce returns for people who had invested in those SPACs. So on average, there are a few very hot names out there right now, but you've got to look at every company that went public via this route to see whether this is a you know a great niche in the market that you can exploit and uh, provide you with uh, on balance better returns over the long term it's just going to come down to every individual situation and the business that they these individual SPACs purchase uh, and ha- and then vend into them and make that their long term growth or cash flow type business if it's not a good business the SPAC's not going to perform well over the long term. So you're really investing in the intellectual capital, the management behind the company. That is all you're investing in here. Uh, there's nothing to analyze in these businesses until they make an acquisition. After that, we can you know look at the underlying numbers and look at the business. Uh, if it is a great business, it probably adjusts relatively fast in the market. So we're not sure there is a great opportunity there other than if you really believe in a management team and think they can do absolutely nothing wrong. uh, Maybe you make a speculative bet on that management team with that capital sitting there. But other than that, there's not much to analyze here just with a SPAC sitting there in the market. So hopefully that gives you a great idea of what they are. Uh, And when you hear the next SPAC come across your plate, you know what you're looking at and you know it's pure speculation uh, until we can analyze the numbers of the business that they actually purchase. So let's get into our couple Your Stock, Our Takes this week. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Uh, the first one is going to be Aaron's. He's going to talk about Netflix. Uh, most of the listeners should know all about Netflix, but Aaron's going to uh, answer the question and, and let you know whether or not we think it uh, offers value at the current price. Certainly. Thank you. Uh, Netflix trades under the symbol NFLX on the NASDAQ. It's trading at a price of $555 with a market value of about $245 billion. So Netflix, of course, is the largest video streaming company in the world with approximately 193 million paid memberships in over 190 countries. Netflix has been a huge beneficiary of the COVID-19 shutdown. The company's stock price is up 70% since the start of the year. During the first two quarters of 2020, Netflix added nearly 26 million paid subscribers compared to 12 million net new subscribers during the same period in the previous year. Currently, the only country that Netflix doesn't operate in is only major country is China. Uh, the size of the global video streaming market was estimated to be about $44 billion in 2019, according to Statistica, and this gives Netflix a market share of about 45%. Now, the company is, has generated excellent success financially. There are two key risks facing the company right now that we think investors should pay attention to. The first is competition, uh, which leads to concerns about Netflix losing market share even as they continue to grow their revenue. There are three big streaming players that operate in China, which is the only major country that Netflix is not present. Uh, But the biggest competition in Netflix's markets comes from Amazon Prime, Hulu, and most recently Disney+. Amazon Prime Prime has been growing quickly and now has an estimated 150 million global subscribers. Disney Plus is a newer entry to the streaming market, but currently it has close to 55 million subscribers and it is building momentum quickly. 
The second risk to take a look at is increasing costs. The company has been forced to create more and more of its own content as opposed to licensing content. This is, comes at a higher cost, uh, although we have not yet seen these increased cost, costs show up in the operating margins. Financially, the company looks to be in a strong position. Q2 revenue grew 24%. Earnings per share for the quarter grew 165% to 159 per share. Revenue last year in 2019 was up 28% and earnings per share were up 53% to 4.26. The company trades at a valuation multiple right now of about 90 times trailing earnings over the past four quarters. And management did state in the last quarter in its guidance that it does expect growth to start to slow in the second half of 2020. In summary, Netflix is a great growth business. Uh, it's not a company that I would really argue with somebody with if they wanted to invest in it, but it's not a stock that would be well suited for Keystone's research. This largely comes down to valuation. At 90 times earnings, the stock does look expensive. We don't mind paying higher valuations for really solid growth companies, uh, but there are some concerns with respect to Netflix's growth going forward. Management is expecting to see a slowdown in growth for the balance of 2020. New competition is also a factor. Now, certainly if earnings growth continues at a pace of 50% plus per year, then we think the company can justify that 90 times earnings multiple. Um, our concern is that the, the earnings growth could slow uh, in upcoming years and that the market may readjust the valuation. Now, once again, I think that Netflix is an excellent growth stock. Uh, certainly if valuation is not an issue for an investor, it's something that they can look at. But if you're willing to pay 90, 100 times earnings for a stock, there are a lot of other opportunities that you could look at out there. Um, one being Amazon, which is not a recommendation, uh, but it's a company that would provide you exposure to streaming, e-commerce, and cloud computing all wrapped in one. So certainly we, we see a lot of opportunity in Netflix with respect to growth, but we're not investors in the company right now. Yeah, I, I love Netflix. Um, I mean, I've been a subscriber for a long time. Of course, I'm mooching off of my parents' account. Um, but I, I think that it was important uh, what you, the, the two risks that you raised there, Aaron, uh, the first being competition, and then as well as increasing costs. Because the thing about Netflix is that, well, I believe in my opinion, at least, their competitive advantage has been so far their original content. And those risks, uh, you know, competition and the increasing costs, it, it's very, very costly to make, you know, their own production, um, you know, and that's only going to continue to possibly increase as they have to try to keep the edge and keep that competitive advantage of uh, giving consumers great original content. Um, so, yeah, I think that both of those risks are in line with that. And is that competitive advantage sustainable as these uh, big competitors are moving in uh, with Amazon, you know, and possibly having even uh, way larger budgets to uh, make original content? Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to throw my two cents in there on uh, on what I believe their competitive advantage is, at least. Yeah, no, it's a good summary of the company. Great business, use the service, uh, but the slowdown in growth, competition, premium multiples, that doesn't align with our strategy. I think Aaron pointed out a good point there too. There's other names that you can buy at premium multiples that are more diversified in other businesses where uh, if there is a slowdown or if they face significant competition, that being Netflix, uh, you know, the other businesses have multiple segments of operations, which uh, if they face some slowdown in one area, they could still grow in another. 
Uh, if you want to trade, you know, buy these premium names at premium valuations, make sure there is some diversification in their growth. And, uh, you know, Netflix has been a great story. It just doesn't fit right now based on valuations, our model. So let's look at our second Your Stock, Our Take of the Day. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Brennan, uh, you're going to answer that. A question came in from Braden via email on Parklawn Solutions, I believe. Yeah, you bet. So Braden's actually uh, someone I know from uh, from Saskatchewan. So he reached out and asked me this question. Uh, so yes, Parklawn Corp, PLC on the TSX. Uh, it's currently trading at a price of around $28, has a market cap of approximately one hundred and or 825 million and a yield of 1.6%. So Parklawn is one of the largest providers of death care products and services in North America with operations in five Canadian provinces and 15 US states. The company and its subsidiaries operate 114 cemeteries, 109 funeral homes, uh, with 21 of those on, uh, or with a cemetery on site, and 39 crematoria businesses, uh, each of which service different areas and provide a different combination of product and services. Now, as Braden did mention in his question, he said that the company has been acquiring businesses through the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, with the following acquisitions, uh, they made one on October 1st, 2020. They acquired the assets of Bowers Funeral Services, a three-location funeral home business in Salmon Arm, um, or sorry, throughout BC, I guess, as well as uh January 31st, 2020, uh, they acquired Family Legacy LLC, uh, and they didn't provide an actual price that they paid here, uh, but they did say that uh, the company has approximately 20 million US in uh, annual revenue and about EBITDA of, again, US 5.5 million. Um, so looking at the company's recent financial results this is for Q2 2020, revenues were up 44.6% to 84.7 million uh, compared to the same quarter last year. Uh, this was mainly driven by uh, a couple of their acquisitions. Adjusted EBITDA also increased to 19.5 million, an increase of 50% from 13 million in Q2 of 2019, and adjusted EPS or earnings per share came in at around 30 cents per share compared to around 20 cents per share in Q2 of 2019. Now, looking at the valuation here, uh, the company does have a trailing 12-month adjusted EBITDA of $65 million, giving the company a, tra a trailing enterprise value to adjusted EBITDA multiple of approximately 16 times, uh, which I believe appears reasonable considering the company's decent historical growth. And as at June 30th, 2020, the company had a debt-to-equity ratio of around 0.4 times uh, and a net debt-to-EBITDA multiple of approximately three times. Now, considering the company's positive cash flow, I believe that this debt balance is sustainable. Uh, and just as a note, uh, in the summer of 2020, the company did close a debenture raise of approximately $86 million, uh, which they stated would be used to pay down uh, one of its credit facilities. Um, and then management subsequently said in August that uh, including its 34 million cash on hand, they have an additional 175 million in liquidity to pursue growth objectives. Uh, so, you know, they can continue to grow, uh, which is nice to see. Now, our take here, uh, 
I do like Parklawn as a company because of the business's defensive nature, their decent growth, relatively attractive valuation, and it does pay a slight yield on top of on top of it all, which is always nice to uh, get those dividends in your account. Now, I do believe that the company's debt balance is sustainable, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on as to how far they extend this balance uh, and uh, as well as their uh, net debts to EBITDA multiple. And on top of that, uh, I wish that the company would provide more details in regards to their uh, acquisitions uh, so we could actually gauge how good of a price they are receiving and whether the businesses uh, will be accretive on day one. Now, I, I must also say that uh, Parklawn is in Keystone's uh, top tier monitor list. Uh, so we do have it uh, there. Um, but all in all, I think for an investor wanting to hold a defensive business that is growing, uh, it could certainly be a, a good option. So Parklawn's a company I'm familiar with because it's been on our, our monitor list for, for our income research for a little while. And we have been close to recommending it in the past. It could potentially be one in the future, but certainly uh, uh, an interesting business. Um, you know, very defensive being in the death industry uh, and very acquisitive, as, as you mentioned. So, you know, valuation-wise, you said 16 times EV to EBITDA, and I think it's about 25, 26 times earnings. So not bad, not much of a yield, um, no dividend growth, but uh, certainly certainly a, a business to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, that's a good summary of the business and uh, one that we certainly are keeping an eye on. It's been on our list for a while now, and uh, there is some potential there for uh, quite a sticky industry that they're in. And uh, we do see some value monitoring them closely and potentially over the next couple of years becomes an or a recommendation. But again, Aaron's monitoring them very closely at this stage. Well, I'd like to thank my two co-hosts for hosting with me again this week um and i'd also like to say um that we really do appreciate your questions coming in for your stock our take questions getting tons of them on a weekly basis it's great to see uh you can ask us we got an ask us anything question again this week on those SPACs that i uh, loved answering if you've got questions like that keep sending those in uh we'd like to keep uh keep to answering those on the chat on on our uh, podcast every week I'll thank Brennan and uh, Aaron for co-hosting with me. Keep those questions coming in. Keep safe. Stay safe out there. And I'd like to wish you all profitable investing. Thanks, everyone. 